If you have heard the term Bokashi and wondered what the heck is it, you're not alone. To be honest, I heard it multiple times and the name alone sounded so weird I didn't give it the time of day. Kristen loves this method of composting, so I finally decided to give it a shot. In this episode, you'll hear our candid chat to ease my mind and start something new. This is Homestead Gardening, a modern approach with your hosts, Kristen and Spencer, where we garden alongside Mother Nature, sprinkle in a touch of modern science, and put up the abundance. Kristen's Trial Garden is located in Houston, Texas. In addition to general horticulture knowledge, Kristen's decade of experience growing in the Gulf Coast will provide additional insight into navigating this climate. Spencer is growing her family's produce in California's Central Valley. She uses her one-acre urban homestead to help others bless their tables with homegrown, homemade food. I like to think of myself as someone who's pretty in the loop in the gardening industry. I don't know everything, but I've tried enough to know what I like and what I don't. What I don't is composting. I've tried the tumblers, hot compost, and all I end up with is a pile of trash and dry dirt. I never seem to have the right ratios of greens and browns, let alone the capacity to produce everything I need for my garden. Truthfully, I swore off composting years ago, but I trust Kristen's opinion and she told me I can do this. So here goes nothing. Okay, Spencer, first, let's just talk (laughs) about composting and those greens and browns you mentioned, because I think some of our listeners might already be like, what the heck are these girls talking about? Um, Yeah. Well, I I feel the same way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't start composting. Keep in mind, I've been in the landscape industry um, since the beginning of college. So not quite 20 years, like let's say 15, roughly 15 years. And I only started composting a couple of years ago. And that tells you a lot about how complicated it seems. So let's just break down the general concept of composting and the greens and browns, because they're going to be so important to our discussion today. (laughs) Okay. Yes, we do need to understand this. Yeah. But Listeners, you are not alone. We are all confused by this topic and we're working on ourselves. I've luckily, <laughs> I've luckily done a deep dive and I'm, I'm, I feel equipped today to talk about this with you. Um, okay. So tell me. Yeah. So composting, first of all, is just the process of breaking down organic matter and using microorganisms to do that. It's so incredibly simple. It's basically like if you chewed your food, so, you know, into smaller pieces and then like let your body absorb all the nutrients and break it down for me. That's all composting is just like with nature, right? So the ratios of types of organic materials someone might have in their compost pile is intended to support those microorganisms. So most piles will have some sort of ratio of what is called greens and browns. So let me break that down for you. Greens are going to be typically your nitrogen rich scraps while your browns are going to be typically your carbon rich scraps. And so you may see this ratio as N for nitrogen slash C for carbon. So if that's something that kind of rings a bell to y'all listeners, that's what's happening here. So the green composting scraps may literally be a green color, like your fresh grass clippings or kitchen vegetable scraps, or they may be like a chicken manure that hasn't aged yet or coffee grounds, which is brown. And so that's where things maybe get a little confusing, but those are actually nitrogen rich scraps and they don't literally have to be green while brown composting scraps are going to be carbon rich and they're not going to have that nitrogen in them. 
and they are usually brown <laughs> and sometimes dry uh, with some ex exceptions. Um, and they include things like dried leaves, dried grass clippings, shredded paper, eggshells, logs, branches, or like the dead plants in your garden. Those are your browns. So if you're struggling with ratios and today's topic is interesting to you and you just want a normal compost pile, the rule of thumb is roughly one part green or one part nitrogen to three to four parts brown or carbon for your cold compost or a one part green to two part brown for hot composting. You can also compost with 100% browns as long as the pile stays hydrated. And so that's gonna look like a rotting log, just naturally, naturally rotting. That's 100% brown composting. Or that might look like a forest full of leaves on the forest floor that break down over time. All of that is technically all 100% brown composting that nature does on its own. The trick- Like leaf mold, right? Exactly. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's exactly what leaf mold is naturally. It's just the forest floor being covered in leaves. And I, bought, I buy leaf mold compost um, made you know, by humans. But the thing with 100% brown composting is that it takes longer to decompose and those small green additions, and if you noted the ratios, they're smaller than the brown additions, that just helps kind of keep the pile hydrated and keep things kind of charged up. So that's all that's really happening with normal composting. It's, it's actually a lot more simple than I think we all make it. Um, mm -hmm. And But everybody's had a pitfall story where something just hasn't worked well. And yeah. so it, it makes it more complicated and it makes it frustrating, a frustrating process. I so, agree. I have definitely tried multiple times. So what I've, what I've realized as a gardener, and I, I too have tried composting multiple times, the Bokashi composting method that we're going to talk about today actually could help a lot of home gardeners simplify the general composting process, which is why I'm so excited about the topic. Yeah. Uh, I think it's so hard because I feel like there's this moral obligation as a gardener to compost. Do you feel that? <laughs> oh gosh, I I feel I, again. I want to reiterate. I'm in the landscape industry and I have been for a long time. The number of people who have shamed me for not being a tree hugger was outrageous. <laughs> and, and I have to. My clients are almost afraid to tell me that they want to cut down a disgustingly decaying tree that needs to be cut down because they think that I'll I'll judge them. And so yeah, I feel I feel like I feel judged by my own brain sometimes in my own garden, <laughs> not trying to do everything the right way. Yeah. And my, so if you feel that you're not alone. Yeah. We're right. My, hus with you. <laughs> my husband is at the point because I, I've, I've, I get a little too extreme. I do everything 100%. I don't do anything halfway. And that's a problem, right? Being a little too black and white on that. <laughs> my husband will applaud me when I throw something away now. <laughs> He's like, Oh, I'm so proud of you. That's what, <laughs> because okay, I so try I to reuse it today. <laughs> So my husband lit a fire with the girls and I asked him to put the wood ash in my garden. Yeah. And he, he called me a hoarder and told me I was turning into my mother. Our husbands need to be best friends. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess I, I don't get that wood ash. I was really looking forward to. I asked my husband for the same thing and he goes, uh, okay, I don't think you're going to want it. And I go, why wouldn't I want it? What did you do? And he said, <laughs> he's like purposely using lighter fluid. <laughs> yeah. He threw a bunch of gasoline and then plastic. He was like, well, I didn't feel like trashing this stuff. So I threw some plastic on the pile. And I was like, you murderer. <laughs> Shame on you. You ruin everything. <laughs> All right. So what is Bokashi? And it's spelled, if you're trying to Google this, 
B-O-K-A-S-H-I. So Kristen, tell us what is Bokashi? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, if you do Bokashi, you're going to be okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was a good setup. So um, the name makes more sense when you realize that it was developed in Japan, this process. Um, yes, that does help. And it's used in Asia. It's actually really common in other parts of the world to use this. This is not some new thing, uh, you know, some silly American cooked up for you. This is a pretty old process. So it's a method that can break down all organic food waste. Let me just let me just re-say that in case you missed it. It's a method that can break down all organic food waste. Regular composting cannot do that. And there are just a couple exceptions, but Bokashi has um, some fantastic uses for breaking down all food waste because it's an anaerobic type of fermenting uh, where beneficial microbes ferment food scraps prior to composting. So I want you to think about this process during this conversation as a pre-treatment before you compost instead of a composting method that's exclusively just Bokashi. That's not what this is. This is a pre-treat fermenting process. And I'm just going to interject a question here. When you say it breaks down all organic food waste, you're using the term organic as in like natural, anything created from the earth, not pesticide free. That's ha- is- that has been living. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So you're not, it doesn't have to be something that has an organic grocery store label on it in order to Bokashi it. Oh, Spencer, you know, if you don't have that organic stick sticker, <sighs> Is it, is it even real? Yeah, Yeah, no, let's not confuse the word organic with the, um, monetized term that it's kind of turned into organic. Just so any, yeah. So any material that was once or is now living. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just to be clear. (laughs) No. Yeah. That's exactly perfect. So how does that different from a hot compost that we talked about earlier? Yeah. I mentioned the hot compost and the cold compost, not to confuse you more listeners, but to set up for, for clarification. Truthfully, Um, there are two main differences. First, I just mentioned Bokashi is a preparation method before composting, and it does pair well with other composting methods, including hot composting. The difference, one big difference is that you can theoretically leave your Bokashi sitting in your airtight bucket. And after that fermentation process ends, and we'll talk about that, that in more detail, your process just halts. It, it, you don't have, you don't lose um, the momentum. The scraps were just completed with their fermentation process and the microbes just sort of go dormant. That's all that really happens. Um, you're not going to get in trouble. You're not going to have a problem unless something else has gone wrong with the process. The other big difference and the most important difference is that certain food scraps cannot be fully broken down in hot compost files. Um, or they might cause your hot compost to grow bad bacteria if you added them. Bokashi can ferment those scraps that hot composting can't can't compost um, and prepare them for the pile where they then can be broken down. And that might sound a little confusing, but basically if you think about it this way, one example of what Bokashi can do is ferment raw meat. And if anybody has let raw meat sit on a counter, it can grow bacteria in the wrong environment. Mm -hmm. And that bacteria speeds up in a hot temperature situation, but Bokashi can ferment that raw meat and prepare it to go into your hot compost pile where it will not grow that bad bacteria anymore. So that's the biggest difference. 
so, and I will say as a newbie, that's what I liked about it. Not that I have any intention of starting a hot compost pile, but if you're on a homestead and you have at least one animal, you're probably already running like a low waste operation. So like for us, between the chickens and the dogs, most of our food scraps are accounted for. And what I'm left over is stuff that I can't compost anyway, because it won't fully break down. So what really nudged me to try this was scraping a plate of trash with like orange peels, chicken bones. And it's like, I don't necessarily want this to be trash, but it is because I can't go throw that in the compost and expect it to break down in a reasonable time or at all without making a bigger issue. Exactly. There, There are some pitfalls to trying to throw everything in the compost pile. And so this solves a ton of problems with respect to that. Um, but it significantly cuts down on trash waste. And I, I, I have something I'll share with you later. It's not time for that, but the trash waste that you will <laughs> reduce is incredible. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, my husband's never on board with anything that I do until I prove it to him. <laughs> and our husbands are literally friends. Like they've yeah, never met. They like, don't even know each other exists. Soul brothers. But- <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, told my husband, I said, I'm going all in on this Bukashi. I've thought about it for over six months. I've done my research. I'm not going to, um, do something too crazy. I really thought about this. And I think this is something I can take on. I thought it was going to be a ton of work. And I was, I was afraid he would, um, see my overwhelm. It ended up not Mm -hmm. being, it was great. And one benefit that I was able to kind of prove to him is number one, we cut down on our trash a ton. I know everybody pays, most people pay the same trash bill. So maybe that's not important to you, but it cut down on my stinky trash by a hundred percent. And that was important to me. Um, I didn't have to take out the trash multiple times a week. I had barely a full bag to go to the trash bin versus a full trash can of two or three bags. Um, I cook a lot at home, so that's very significant. But after several months of doing Bokashi, I, you know, in my arrogance, came over to my husband and I was like, did you notice that the trash has never smelled? And he was like, I noticed that you take it out now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because it doesn't drip or, you know, have all these disgusting things happen when I take the trash out. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a more pleasant experience for the whole family. (laughs) Um, So anyways, I, I I was most excited about not just being able to compost everything, but that little added benefit of having kind of a more pleasant smelling home, a more pleasant chore, less, and then visibly being able to see the trash get reduced was really cool. That's cool. So if that appeals to you, let's talk about how to set it up because like anything you can DIY your own equipment or purchase your own pre-made composter. So Kristen, I know you DIY yours, spoiler alert. I did not, which we will talk about, (laughs) but, but Kristen, why don't you paint the picture for us about what a DIY bin looks like and how we're going to make all this work? Yeah. Okay. So for those of you listeners who are visual, um, which I am, I'm going to do my best to describe this to you, but I actually have a really short Bokashi YouTube episode that shows off this DIY bucket. I'm going to describe to you and the whole process. Um, it is a $15 DIY setup with the one I'm about to describe. It includes two, uh, big box store brand, five gallon buckets for me. That just happened to be two Lowe's buckets and a tight-fitting lid that goes with those buckets. So each one costs five bucks. It was a $15 setup. I set the first bucket on the ground. I added one brick inside the bottom. I took the second bucket, flipped it over, drilled four holes in the bottom, and then I set that second bucket with the drilled holes inside the first. 
So now we have a nice little sandwich of bucket, brick, bucket. And then what I was trying to create with this like sandwich is a poor man's draining system into that bottom bucket. I use cheesecloth. I just cut a little, you know, square round piece of cheesecloth as a filter to go between the bucket with the holes and what will soon be my food scraps. And this is going to prevent the holes from being clogged. Um, and this just makes everything so, so much easier. So I'll be honest, drilling holes in buckets is like the extent of my DIY. I will take on without my husband. Um, I had to make two cuts with a skill saw for my seed starting lights to get them hung. And my four-year-old told me that it wasn't safe and I needed to wait for dad. So I will say that's a reasonable (laughs) DIY, especially if you're not (laughs) sufficient with tools like I am. No, I, I, okay. I'm just going to, hopefully this will make you feel better. And listeners, if you're the same, feel the same way, this will make you feel better. I use certain tools so rarely that I just don't find them intuitive. Like gardening wasn't intuitive for me either until I had a bunch of experience. So (laughs) even using that drill, I asked for help. I had to to find the drill bit in my husband's crazy shop and I couldn't do it. And I was like, where the heck is your drill bit? I don't even know. I don't, can you just help me out? Right. So asking for help is fine. So Kristen has a code for. Yeah, it's, it's called Terraganics. Um, and that's the brand name. Um, my products seem to be shipping out of Texas when I, when I buy them. I, so I think this is a Texas brand. I haven't hundred percent verified that, but I'm an affiliate for Terraganics and I love their products. Um, so I have a discount code in the show notes that you can utilize in a link if you're interested in not doing DIY. So that's what I did. I took advantage of her discount and I purchased a pre-mode, pre-made, excuse me, Bokashi composting unit that came with a starter pack of the brand, which we will talk about in a second. So we have our chosen vessel and we're set up. Kristen, how do we get started? Yeah. Okay. So, um, The next step after you put in that filter. So my case, I ended my journey at cheesecloth, right? My, my double bucket situation, the cheesecloth. Now we're going to start filling our bucket. So obviously your next step is collecting your food scraps, your green nitrogen rich scraps that you want to add to this bucket. And that's going to be a habit change for everybody. So once you start getting into that good habit and you have enough to fill about two inches of your bucket or more of food scrap you need to start layering those into your bucket. And you want to make sure this food scrap is not sitting on your counter growing mold. Keep it in the fridge or somewhere that's easy for you or add it in fresh. Now, the maximum layer of scraps is two inches before you need to layer with your Bokashi brand. So maybe your layer is only one inch deep. Um, That's okay too, but you can't have more than two inches at a time when you do this layering method. And you also want to make sure that your food scraps are small. You want to have a lot of surface area. We're fermenting the outside of these pieces. So the smaller the scraps, the more success your bucket is going to have. And the faster all your food scraps are going to decompose after this process. So if you have large scraps, like for example, when I cut up a a head of cauliflower, I don't use that thickener stem. You don't want to chop that up before you add it to your bucket. So would you like, say like an apple core, would you cut that again too, or would that be... I'll be honest. I eat away at the apple core so much. There's not a lot left. Okay. That's so sufficient. That's, that's sufficient. Okay. Yeah. I All think right. that's fine. Um, just to paint the picture. Let's think of it as like a good, maybe a good rule of thumb is the Mac. If your maximum 
size is two inches for your scraps and you're composting these, but maybe your smallest layer is like one inch, then maybe one inch cube scraps at the most size would probably be a good rule of thumb. So then you're going to add in your scraps to the maximum two inches and press or compact them. You want to remove as much air as possible, which is essential for the Bokashi process to work. We have to create an anaerobic environment in order for these microbes to thrive and not go dormant. So then once you've compacted your two inch layer of scraps, you're going to sprinkle your Bokashi brand on top. And most importantly, I seriously doubt all of y'all are going to immediately fill up your bucket. So we want to reduce the amount of air that your scraps are being exposed to. So I like to take an old grocery bag and create an oxygen barrier just by pressing that on top of my last layer, which happens to be the sprinkle of Bokashi. So just press in that old grocery bag or whatever plastic oxygen barrier you can find that's reusable um, or disposable, and then cover that bucket or that whatever device you're using that's made for this with a tight fitting lid. And that's pretty critical. So in contrast, my pre-made composting unit came with a very nice um, like a rubber gasket lid that you push down on top of your food scraps. So you don't have to, you get the same idea without something additional, like that's included in your, in your kit, but oh, that's okay. Awesome. So what, what does the brand do? So this brand, it's literally wheat brand. Um, and it's called Bokashi brand once it's inoculated with essential microbes. Um, so what this brand is going to do is house the essential microbes. Those beneficial microbes are going to ferment our green nitrogen rich kitchen scraps. And the microbes have been feeding and populating on this brand as the brand gets inoculated. So if you're pre-buying your brand, if it's already made for you, the company who made it has already added the essential microbes onto the brand and the brand is just there to feed, to, to, to be fed on. Um, and then it also kind of makes it easier since microbes are at a microscopic level. Um, it's going to make that spreading of the microbes a little bit easier. It's like a little easy vehicle for us to use. So all of the instructions say like a sprinkle of bran in between your food scrap layer. So I need to know like the, the OCD in me, is this like a sprinkle of cayenne pepper or is this like my kid putting sugar on their cereal sprinkle? How oh. like define sprinkle? How much sugar do you let your kids put on their cereal? Anyways. Okay. No kidding. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. How yeah. much, when you would do it, when you were, I'm just kid, kidding with that, like when uh, your yeah. mom's not home and you're hiding from them. <laughs> oh, you're so right. I totally did that. So, um, yeah, my, my mom would buy healthy cereal and then I would fix it, you know, with the yeah. sugar. I used to do cinnamon sugar. <laughs> oh, that sounds so good right now. Okay. So here's the rule of thumb. It's a one-to-one. -one. One tablespoon of bran for every one inch of compacted food scrap. So one, in my time, one to one, one tablespoon for one inch of food scraps. Mm -hmm. One inch. So when I'm creating these food scrap layers, what can I put in there? What's off limits? So we're going to talk about off limits first because the list is actually really short and simple. And I think then sky's the limit for everything else, mm -hmm. except that I'm going to, I'm going to mention some things you can add that are weird that you wouldn't expect. So off limits. Um, there's no reason to put any of your browns or carbon rich items. It's not going to hurt your Bokashi exactly. Um, if you have too much, it would, it was not going to work, but there's no reason to fill up your bucket and waste space with any of your browns. 
So tissues, paper towel, um, things like that from the kitchen, you can just save that for your normal compost pile. And that might not be obvious, but I did have a bucket that had a 50% paper towel and the, it, the Bokashi didn't work quite as well. Like that's way too much brown. <laughs> um, so make sure that you're just saving those for their pile. You want to absolutely avoid liquids. I know that your food scraps are going to be a little juicy. That's what your um, drain system is all about. But you want to avoid literally pouring in milk and fruit juice. So if you just cut up a cantaloupe and it's extremely juicy, you don't want to scrape the whole cutting board into the, the compost, uh, the bokashi. Just pick up, you know, try to try to drain off that really heavy excess fluid. Okay. And when I, when I hear food scraps, I think raw food, like I'm cooking dinner and this, the scraps that's left over, but this could be cooked food too. So if I had like a bowl of soup, yeah. I wouldn't put that much liquid in, but if I had like spaghetti, it's okay that it's wet. It's just yeah. not dripping. Yeah, exactly. So one trick I use is I actually put my food scraps in a paper bag in the fridge and that allows any little extra juices to absorb onto the paper bag. And that paper bag goes out to my normal compost pile. And then the rest goes into Bokashi. That helps a little bit. Um, but however you want to interpret that, you don't have to overthink the juiciness. But if you can drink it, it's too wet. Okay, so that's a few things that are off limits. Is there anything else that we can't put in here? Yes. So you'd be surprised how many times I find myself almost adding moldy food or rotten food, especially if I find it in the back of the fridge um, mm -hmm. on the high shelf, you know, you can't put that into Bokashi. You run the risk of populating bad bacteria or bad fungus in the whole system. And then there's a few weird things that you may not want to add. You could, but there's really no reason to take up space. Um, so green items that could go in Bokashi, but really shouldn't, you don't want to bring your grass clippings, for example, in and bokashi them. If you have a green item outdoors that's not already being feasted on by roaches or rodents, that is not for the bokashi bin. Um, there's no reason to waste the space. The other thing, um, something like seafood shells. So if you, for some reason, are an oyster connoisseur and you have all these oyster shells, they're not really going to benefit from fermenting in the bokashi bin. Instead, you're going to use a different process called biochar. We'll talk about that in another episode, but it's very important to understand that these just aren't going to break down in a normal composting situation. You have to treat them differently. Mm -hmm. um, same with eggshells. They're still going to take a lot of time to break down and there are better processes using Korean farming methods to extract that calcium. The last one is there's a debate. You're going to, if you research this Bokashi information, there's a debate on whether or not you can add bones to Bokashi. Absolutely, you can add bones. There's nothing wrong with that. Raw meat bones or cooked meat bones is fine. But just like with the shell, uh, the seafood shells and turning those into biochar, which is just basically a way to thermally degrade these pieces before they go in the compost pile, your bones, which are full of calcium too, are just going to be broken down more quickly with a different process than bokashi and normal composting. So just keep that in mind. If you look at your compost pile in a year and there's still bones in there. Um, it doesn't mean Bokashi didn't work. It just, it takes more time to break down those calcium rich things. So I of course had to try to break the system and I have <laughs> eggshells and a chicken bone because I had to see if what would happen <laughs> in I, mine I, right now. I absolutely do that. And, and what I found, um, it helps to break up the shells a little bit. Um, but eggshells take three years 
to decompose naturally. So what I've noticed is that my Bokashi buckets of egg, with eggshells, I tend to not see them, but I still see the original eggshells that I put in 18 months ago in my compost pile in a, in a different section. They're, these are different sections for me. So I'm still finding egg, old eggshells from 18 months ago, but I'm not really seeing my Bokashi eggshells. So they are breaking down faster. Interesting. So, okay. So when we say bones, I also need to understand because there's a big difference between like chicken wing bone and a beef shank. So I'm guessing a beef shank probably is not the best idea unless maybe, I don't know, tell me. Yeah. So keep in mind our conversation earlier, we talked about the size of the pieces going into your Bokashi bucket, maybe a maximum one inch cube. So if your beef bone has a big old, um, hit, if, if you're dealing with a hip bone, <laughs> yeah. you're like, say I just need hit ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if your process of, of, utilizing that bone hasn't broken down thermally broken down that bone further it's still going to take a lot of time to decompose the biochar concept um is all about thermo uh, breaking down with temperature so Mm -hmm. if you're cooking your bones or you're making a bone broth where you're having a, a really long temperature simmer and that bone is slowly degrading that bone would be more successful in Bokashi and then your hot compost or cold compost process than a bone that was from a raw meat and that hasn't had any thermo treatment. And okay. I, I don't want to get, sense. I don't want to get our, our listeners in the weeds, but hopefully that does make sense. Yeah. And if you've ever made broth, I feel like you have a general understanding of the bones when you take them out of the pot. So that, I feel like that answers that. Yeah. Um, so we know what we can't put in this bucket, which isn't much, which is awesome. What can we put in here? Okay, so I'm going to just hit the highlights of the items that you would not expect and that cannot go in other composting setups. You can scrape your cooked food dinner plate of of food into your bokashi bin instead of your trash. So it doesn't matter if you've salted your food. It doesn't matter if you've added oil to your dish or if you have meat. All of that is fair game scraped into the bokashi bin. Um, you can also do some weird things that you may not think are greens. I mentioned coffee grounds, but human hair and pet, pet hair, pet fur are on the table. They are absolutely fair game for the Bokashi bin. Those are greens. If you can imagine. Okay. No, I can't. So there is absolutely nothing natural about my hair color. So (laughs) you're telling me that that's still okay to put in here. Okay. It seems a little weird. I'm not going to lie. I don't dye my hair. And I don't dye my pet's hair. So, okay, my hair is fair game for the Bokashi bin and my pet's hair. <laughs> okay, so what about my hair, Kristen? <laughs> keep that Keep that at the salon. I don't know. You know, okay. <laughs> I, I, it, it, let's be honest. With we're, If we're using plastic trays and plastic pots and, and all these different products that maybe have a little plastic leaching, I don't know that your hair strand with a little bit of colorant is going to be the end of the world. I'm just right. going to be honest in the, in the ratio of how much other compost you're making. I don't think that if you vacuumed, vacuumed or swept up and got a few pieces of your own hair, I don't think that we're in trouble here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's some other things you wouldn't expect. I've already mentioned like raw meat, cooked meat, um, but thicker dairy options like cheese, or I'll even put, I rarely have dairy that doesn't get used up, but like, even if you had a few scoops of Greek yogurt, all of that's fair game. And then anything that you've steeped, so tea leaves, your simmer pot spices, your bone broth after you strain all those 
bones and collagen and, you know, all those chunks out mm -hmm. of your bone broth, that is fair game. Just make sure it's not too juicy and wet and still draining your onions, garlic, citrus, things that normally can't go in those compost piles are hundred percent up for grabs in the Bokashi. And if you were to pick and choose, I'd pick those things over things that you can put in your normal hot compost pile. And finally, your large seed pits or really any seed, I will add to my Bokashi so that they don't germinate because I don't hot compost, I cold compost. And that causes a lot of germination or sprouting from volunteer seeds. Oh, interesting. I didn't think about that. Okay. So I, that's what I like about it is like the onions and the chicken, uh, not the chickens, the oranges, the peels, like those are things that the chickens aren't going to eat. And that ends up being the majority of what our food waste is. So it's nice that this gives us an option to address that. Yes. So we know that we can't put liquids in here, but we have two buckets and we have the cheesecloth as the filter. So obviously some liquid is going to come out. So let's talk about that process. So this process, the drained liquid is valuable to gardeners and you should absolutely use it. And so for purchased setups, you're going to see that they have a spout. What you want to do with the spout is extract the liquid at your own convenience. And this is called Bokashi tea. You will not drink this. <laughs> this is <laughs> This is a very acidic, <laughs> concentrated juice from the Bokashi, and you can either, either dilute it and use it as fertilizer at a one to 100 ratio with water, or you can use it as a snail and slug trap. And I have not used this as a trap, but I've heard that it does work. Um, it's really acidic. So just keep that, like, that's the, the theory behind that. Um, but if you use it as a fertilizer, it's basically going to add all those essential microbes that strained out. You're going to have so many, it's not going to be a big deal at some escaped and they're going to supercharge either one of your tired compost piles. That's not budging anymore or just your soil. And you're going to, you're going to be able to revive pretty much anything you put it on in that diluted ratio um, and add microbial support. So when we say the one to 100, I guess, obviously how much liquid is coming out is going to depend on the moisture content of the food that you put in it. But if I'm draining my pre-made bucket every two, three days, am I getting like a tablespoon? Am I getting like a pint jar? What, what should I expect? I would say, so my setup, I don't find my liquid until after I dump the whole bucket. Um, okay. But I would say because my scraps are so, I'm very careful about not over adding liquid now. Um, I would say I, in a five gallon bucket, receive maybe a pint jar at the most. Okay. It's very concentrated. It's extremely, and it smells. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird smell, but it's not a bad smell. So I'm probably going to get like a tablespoon out of my little pre-made to do it every couple. So that would be like a little tablespoon to a watering can. Exactly. And is this going to burn our plants or can we just water it in like water? If you're diluting correctly, which the one to 100 ratio, it's not as hard as it maybe seems or extremes. It seems, um, you're basically just giving your plants probiotics. It's, it's okay. not a fertilizer. So you don't have to think about it as like a fertilizer burn. Okay. Um, okay. So I like that. So we've laid our bucket, we have bran food scraps, we're tamping it down. We have more bran. We've done this all the way to the top. What do we do when our bucket's full? Wait. 
you're going to wait. <laughs> you're going to wait two weeks. What I do is I will either put a piece of tape on my bucket and write the date two weeks out to remind me, mm -hmm. or I will set a calendar reminder for two weeks, wait for two weeks. And then here's what you're going to look for. If your Bokashi is done and two weeks might be different for everybody. So like, for example, if it's really hot out, I keep my bucket in the house. It needs, it needs a constant temperature. That's kind of room temperature, but if I keep my bucket in the house, my house still gets hotter in the summer and cooler in the winter, especially right. if we open the windows. So in the winter, it looks more like three weeks for me, but just gauge that to whatever your, your climate is inside your home. Um, if you put it outside, if it's too hot, you run the risk of something bad happening. If it's too cold, your microbes will just go dormant. So you have to have a temperature range that, that actually makes sense for the microbes to thrive and populate in that during that fermentation process. Now, once you're done with that process, you're going to open your lid. And if you see white mold, not a different color mold, white mold on top, that is a good thing. Um, so if you definitely have that white mold on top, that was your last layer. That means you definitely have white mold and good stuff happening in that first layer because it's had more time to ferment. So you're in great shape. And is that, I know, so the kit I purchased came with the pre-made Bokashi tells you very clearly on the package that a white mold film substance, whatever you want to call it is good. So don't freak out. So does it look like that? Or is this yeah. more like kitchen mold? It, it's, it looks like it's that. not, it's not super fuzzy. Um, it's, it's pretty much just, it's kind of pretty. It doesn't look gross. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're trying. It's similar to what's on the brand. Yeah, exactly. So if you see this at home, don't freak out. You're okay. <laughs> so in this kind of weight situation, it's, it could be beneficial to have like two or three buckets going, depending on how long it takes you to create your food waste. Yes. Okay. How many do you have set up? I have two five gallon buckets, but we tend to do parties in the summer. And when I cook a lot of food or I'm processing, like when it's time to process peaches, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to have so much scrap waste. I know that two buckets is not enough. I'm going to need a third. And so this year I am going to incorporate a third. I have been in too many situations around holidays or when we've thrown parties where we fill up two buckets in a single weekend. So the Terraganics kit, which I find really nice, they offer a two pack at a discount. So that's what I got. So if you're looking for the pre-made option, they've already thought this through. That's interesting. I actually didn't know that. Um, that's really cool. That's smart of them to kind of yeah. set you up so, for success. Okay. So we're in the two week wait. I don't have to do anything. What should I expect when I open the lid after the two weeks? I know you told us about the mold. Does it smell? Am I going to get a blob? Like what? I don't understand what I'm going to get, I guess is the question. I think that's the biggest fear from everybody. Um, they don't know if they're going to like what they see when they open that lid. And the bin is going to smell. You want to take it outside. The smell should be pickly. Shouldn't smell exactly like opening a jar of pickles, but it should have a pickled smell, not putrid. So if it smells putrid, half the reason why we want to op open this outdoors is just in case um, something's going on in the process if it smells putrid, because that's bad bacteria getting in. But most okay. of mine have smelled pickly but it's very, very strong. It's going to be strong, just like that 
um, Bokashi tea liquid is strong. And so you don't want to fill your house up with that smell just because it's not going to be super pleasant. It's not like potpourri. Okay. So we've got the fermented Bokashi compost. What do we do with it? Because there's a few options that we have. Yeah. So um, I, what I tell everybody is you can Bokashi compost even if you don't have a garden today, because you can simply dig yourself a hole in your backyard and bury it in soil. It can be that simple. Ideally though, <laughs> ideally you're going to want to put it in a current compost pile because the scraps have only been fermented. It's just a pretreatment that's going to allow all the scraps to successfully decompose. So you're going to still want to add it to a composting setup, whatever that might be. Direct burial is fine. Um, you can add it to your current vegetable garden if it is not currently planted. So you can put it straight into your nice garden soil and leave it to sit about two to three weeks um, before checking on it. But ideally, you're going to add it to a cold or hot compost pile to supercharge those piles. And for those who have a hot compost pile, the supercharge is apparently incredible. Um, I have a compost, a cold compost pile, and the supercharge is still pretty great, especially in summer when it's really warm and I have faster decomposition. But the hot compost pile is already hot, even if it's cold outside. So you're going to have that supercharge happen year round. Okay. So I am one of those people that has no intention of putting this in a compost pile. So let's pick that situation apart a little more. So once I've bokashied and it's done the two weeks, can it, can it sit or do I have to use it right away? So say I've got a couple buckets and I'm going to fall plant in two weeks. Can I hold on to this and then work it into the soil before I plant? Yes. So what I, what I want you to understand though, is that you want to have a waiting period before you plant. So your compost is called Bokashi composting, but it should just be called Bokashi fermenting because you're just pre-treating and you still have to go through the composting process, it'll just be really rapid um, after this point. So you wanna make sure that if you're going to bury it in your current garden or yard where you plan to add vegetables later, give yourself at least three weeks and check on it and make sure the scraps have mostly decomposed. And if they haven't, um, move them move them around. So there's like a little bit more like space. You, you When you dump out this bucket, I, again, I have a five gallon bucket. I don't want a five gallon bucket going in the same spot. I want to spread it out right. into a thinner layer. Um, and that may not be intuitive to a lot of people. So you want to spread it out and give it as much surface area as possible to completely decompose. But I mentioned that the Bokashi tea is highly acidic. So is your entire pile. So you don't want to ruin your plants by giving them a full dose of this Bokashi. You want to give that a chance to completely decompose and spread the love around. <laughs> so I would assume this is almost like when you till a cover crop into the soil, we're putting a large amount of mass into our soil that is now going to have this rush of microbial activity to continue to break it down. We just want to give that activity a chance to mellow out before we stunt our plant's growth by overwhelming it. Yes. Yes. And, and because we're creating a more acidic environment by adding the Bokashi, the environment will be too acidic for your plants until it finishes its process decomposing. Okay. So what if I, like, say I have long rows, what if I dug a trench on the side of my row to where my plants roots weren't going to immediately hit it? Would something like that work? 
I love that idea. That would be a perfect opportunity um, to allow your bokashi to decompose naturally in the soil. And by the time your plants grow enough for those roots to get to that composted bokashi, you should be out of the danger zone. Okay. So I like that idea. But if I want to hold multiple units, is there a time limit? Like, is it going to expire as long as there's no oxygen? Yeah. How long one, will it hold? Once the scraps are fermented, you just put the bucket in a holding pattern. The microbes go dormant. They're kind of done feasting for now until new things come around. Um, so you can put that bucket in a holding pattern theoretically for as long as you want. I wouldn't let it sit around a year. Right. But right. I, I have absolutely, after that two week process, not been able to move my buckets to the back because I've had a cold or I've, you know, had another, I've traveled. They can totally hang out on, uh, in the, in the laundry room, wherever you're keeping yours kitchen counter. If you have a nice cute setup, um, for a little while longer until you have time to do something with it. Okay. So when I was researching for this episode, I came across a few other things that you could do with your finished Bokashi that are probably not beginner friendly, maybe require a little more research on your part, but I want you to know that you have other options. So I did find people that Bokashi on a large, large scale, like citywide, they're taking trash and Bokashi. They did two things. They fed parts of it into their worm farm system. And then anytime they added a new garden row, they dug it out the, with the trench idea that I mentioned, planted their cover crop right on top of that. So by the time, say if they did that in fall, by the time spring came, you're working in your cover crop in, with that finished Bokashi. And they said that that soil was just amazing, that they've never had any results that are that good before. I, I love that idea. That is a fantastic, easy application all around uh, with Bokashi and cover crop and, and normal planting. Um, I will say that as soon as I started introducing essential microbes into my garden through Bokashi and through watering in the essential microbes from that um, EM1 from the Terraganus brand, I have never had an easier time gardening. I've never had um, more healthy plants. I, I haven't experienced this simplicity in my gardening and this ease of creating good produce um, until I started incorporating, essentially, I'm not even talking about Bokashi. I'm really talking about the all around benefit of the microbes here. Um, and that, that, that's been so great. But that's a great segue. Cause I do want to talk about EM1. So I have listened to your root focused podcast episode, which is great. She talks a lot about this process in that episode. So if you haven't listened to that, please give that a listen. What is EM1? And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you can add EM1 to your Bokashi or they're totally, EM1 inoculates the brand. Explain that to me because I'm a little confused by that part. Yes. So DIYers um, are going to under, maybe understand this a little bit better. Um, for those who are not DIYing and you're buying your pre-made Bokashi brand, all that that company did was take wheat brand just normal. I mean, I buy mine at the feed store, so cheap in a big bulk. And they're using the essential microbes, the EM1. It's just their name for essential microbes. Um, and they're inoculating their own brand and then selling it to you. So inoculation just means they're adding the essential microbes. It's a little bit of molasses, a little bit of distilled water to wet the substrate, which is the uh, wheat brand. 
and they're letting those microbes feed and uh, populate so that they can be used for Bokashi and they're waking them up because this EM1 is just a dormant concentrated essential microbe solution that was made through natural processes. Um, so like, just like your probiotics, your lactobacillus, blah, 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 blah. It, that's all it is. It's basically a probiotic or prebiotic um, that was made naturally and then concentrated to make things a little easier. And I love the bottle. If you open it up, it kind of smells, if you've ever brewed beer or smelled some, a process like that, it smells like brewed beer and it's, it, you can't, you shouldn't drink it, but it smells so good. Like it's really fun to work with the <laughs> EM1. It's not stinky at all. So I would use EM1 if I'm DIYing my brand. If I'm just doing the pre-made brand, I won't put any EM1 in my Bokashi. No, no reason to do that, but you can absolutely use EM1 diluted into your watering program. Um, I will do that as a boost for my plants to increase the microbial activity in my soil. And um, this, you know, all around is going to help the plants. And that's all discussed in the episode that Spencer mentioned, which was the, yeah. um, you know, soil health related episode. But if you're interested in making your own DIY brand, which I am because I do so much composting and I just like to do things the hard way, <laughs> but I actually have a YouTube episode on how to make that brand and a really easy recipe in that YouTube episode's show notes that you can utilize that's worked for me every single time. Okay. That's awesome. So with the EM1, I want to add that to my watering can for my garden to help my soil. Can I mix that with the off-putting liquid from the Bokashi or is that too much? Uh, there's no reason to. If you already have that um, Bokashi tea, it's already teeming with those same microbes. And so you're good to go. You don't need to do anything okay. extra. Okay. I don't need to double up. And how often would you recommend doing that? I water with essential microbes. So either the EM1 or the Bokashi tea, probably once a week. Okay. So this seems pretty easy. Have you had any mishaps or pitfalls or what should I be precautious of? Oh, yes, I have. Um, what I've realized is Bokashi is an easy addition to my daily life. What I made a mistake on is after I became an expert on Bokashi, I got fast and loose before a vacation. And my husband was processing a ton of turkeys. So he was cut, he was cutting the spine out of these raw turkeys and spatchcocking them on the smoker. We were doing a bunch of food prep. We were just trying to get ready for when we returned from vacation, having all this food ready to go. And he left the spines out on the counter for me to put in my Bokashi bin, which was so sweet. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, for, <laughs> yeah, so sweet. Like this, this was such a, a wonderful thing he did for me. Unfortunately for me, I didn't think it through and getting ready for vacation, I was working constantly and I was working like a 12 hour day. So by the time I got to these spines, they were not refrigerated. They were sitting on the counter for eight hours. They had already started growing bacteria that I couldn't see. And when I came back from vacation after Bokashi composting for a few days, these spines, which I did correctly, but they had already started, you know, growing some bacteria. Mm. They fully stunk. Like the lid popped off. It stunk up the house. It smelled like a baby diaper. Okay. <laughs> I don't have children. So that was very shocking to me. 
And I got in some serious trouble with my husband for stinking up the house because it took two days to air the house out. We just couldn't get the circulation right to get that right. aired out. It was hot outside too. So like having the windows open wasn't realistic. Um, I got in trouble for Bokashi and I wasn't allowed to do it again for about three months. I had to earn, <laughs> earn my right to come, to get back into Bokashi. That was a rough moment for me. Um, but it only happened one time. It can happen to anybody. If you just refrigerate your scraps, you're not going to make that mistake. Have yourself a little bin, a little Tupperware container or sack or something in the refrigerator that you make a habit change of putting your scraps in there as you collect them. And you're not going to run into the problem that I ran into. It was a one-time deal. If that does happen, is it trash? Can you still add it to your hot compost? What do we do? So what happens to that? scrap now is a bacterial putrefaction or, or I'm, I know I'm saying that word wrong, but it's a putrefying of the materials. So bad bacteria mm-hmm. is now decomposing your food scraps for you. That's not what we want, but absolutely that is still a decom- decomposition option. What I would do in that situation is pick an area of your yard that your dogs are not going to dig in and that you're not going to plant in dig yourself a hole and bury that nastiness and suppress the smell. Don't put it in your garden. Don't put it in your compost pile because it will populate the bad bacteria further. Okay. And just start over. Yeah. Okay. Listeners, I don't want to scare you with how I ended this episode. All right. I talked about a bad (laughs) situation. Let me tell you the, the easiest thing for you to do if you're remotely interested in this process is to just get started. I highly recommend before you go DIY, unless you're just very ambitious, overly ambitious, start with a kit. Um, I think it's the easiest way to get started. You're going to have a fantastic setup, a quality setup. You're going to have your Bokashi brand already inoculated. You'll be able to start the minute that arrives on your doorstep. And then you're going to have an easier time piecing all of this information together instead of trying to start from scratch. Learn slowly. Don't overthink it. Don't try to overextend yourself. Make it a simple part of your daily life, a simple part of your cooking process. And this will be so fun and easy for you. And best of all, if you run into any hiccups along the way, I have Q&A Fridays on my Instagram page. It is such a great opportunity for you to ask questions there and iron out any kinks that you're having if you're having any trouble with Bokashi. If you are interested in learning more about Bokashi, Kristen has YouTube videos and great educational resources for you. We've linked her affiliate discount code in the show notes. As always, if you give it a try or have questions, let's chat on Instagram. 